This will be 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. We'll get back. We're going to begin in verse 17. And we'll read down to verse 24. This is an important epoch in Elijah's life. Not, on, not only did the prophets speak prophetically, many of their lives were lived prophetically. In other words, the principles, the experiences that the Lord allowed them to experience has spiritual truth that we can learn. And <coughs> Elijah is just one of those prophets. 1 Kings 17, 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious, there was no breath left in him. He stopped breathing. He has just died. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and he carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord my God, have you brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times. And he cried out to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord my God, I pray, let the child's soul come back to him. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and he brought him down to the upper room. Into the house. And he gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. What a miracle. I mean, one moment he goes up to the upstairs. He prays a quick prayer. But God gives reviving. He raises the boy from the dead. And he brings him back and said, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth, it is the truth. It is the truth. Our time is getting away a little bit, and so I want to I talk about this title, Zarephath, the trial of your faith. Or we could say it this way, Zarephath, the place of trial. Now, Zarephath is a place of blessing, but here in this part, portion, this is a season of trial. And we ask, oh God, bless the reading of your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's something that everyone has that no one wants. And you know what that is? And I'm talking about every one of us. Now, next week we'll talk about Mother's Day, and that will be directed toward mothers, so that we'll get left out. But this message today is about something that we all deal with. It's something everyone has and no one wants. And you know what that is? Trials, difficulties, challenges, seasons where we go through hard places. Now, trials don't happen every day. They don't even happen every week or every month. But listen, if, you, if we live long enough for Jesus, we're going to face some trials. So we have to know about 
these kinds of things as the Word of God shows them to us. In other words, what it really means to live the Christian life. And there are seasons of suffering and difficulty. Jesus said it this way. In this world, you will have tribulation. You ever had any pressures? You ever said, I just feel like I'm under so much pressure. Do you know the word right there is the Greek word philipsis, which means to be under pressure? It's like a paperweight, a heavy paperweight pressing down on papers on your desk. That's the exact kind of view. It's pressure. And in this life, Jesus says, Christians are going to have times of pressure. Peter said, don't be surprised as some strange thing has happened to you. Why? Because we go through moments where we have to pass through Zarephath. And we're going to see today that Elijah and the little widow lady that had been very gracious to him are going through a Zarephath moment. Elijah had been commanded by God to go to Ahab, and he did that. And then he went to a place called the Brook Cherith, and he went there. The brook dries up, and he's commanded to go to a city of Zarephath, about 100 miles away. And it's there that they experience miracles every single day. Every day they're experiencing a miracle. The meal barrel's not drying up, and the oil flask is not drying up. It seems to be replenished, and all through this portion of the famine, they're enjoying the miracles and the blessing of the Lord. The Lord gave the word in the mouth of the prophet, and he said, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. All of your needs are going to be met. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of it. The word Zarephath, or the name Zarephath, has to do with refining. It really has to do with a crucible. It was probably a place where metals were dealt with, where metals were melted. It's really, for us, spiritually, a place of testing. Maybe you've been through, well, you have been through a season of testing, haven't you? Maybe you're in a season of testing, or maybe you're going to come into a season of testing. So let's look at three simple things as it has to do with this text here. What We see the reality of trials, we see how they responded, and then we see what good came out. Maybe you're in a season right now and you're saying, I don't know how any good could come out of this, but it can, but it can. The Lord works all things well for his children. I want you to notice something here. First of all, notice that this trials can happen to all people and they happen in all kinds of different places. You can go through a trial. See, trials are a reality for God's children. Sometimes people believe a lie that we're the only ones going through this. When you're going through a trial, you do feel like the only one going through this. Have you ever felt that way? We all have. No one's experiencing what I'm experiencing. The truth of the matter is, everyone's experiencing the same thing. Paul said it this way in his writings. He said, no temptation has taken you, but what is common to man what we experience, everyone else has experienced in one way or another. It's common to man, but it says God will make a way for us. Here's something interesting about this. And that's this trial, which was, which was a terrible trial, actually, was something that the trial happened when both Elijah and the widow were living in perfect obedience to the Lord. Do you know that you can go through a trial when you're walking in obedience to the Lord? Now, we, we have a, this is where we struggle, by the way. This is where we struggle. 
Elijah and the widow had obeyed the Lord. Elijah had fully obeyed the Lord. The Lord said, go to Ahab, and he went. The Lord said, go to Cherith, and he went. The Lord says, go to Zarephath, and he went. He did everything the Lord told him to do. The widow fully obeyed the Lord, really in an incredible way. You say, what do you mean? When, when Elijah said, give me something first, she literally gave Elijah the very last thing. The very, listen, she, she gave the, Elijah the very last crumb that she had on the face of the earth. She really had nothing else. It's an incredible picture of sacrifice. Here's what happens. We falsely think that if we will live righteously before the Lord, somehow that we will be shielded from all kind of negative in, you know, trials and storms and Zarephath moments. But the truth is, here's what David said. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Of course, the Lord delivers us out of them all, but, it, but many are are the afflictions of the righteous. I have a little book. It's actually in my satchel over here. It's called Elijah, Prophet of Power by by, uh, Philip Keller. Here's a quote on page 39. Listen to what he says. People somehow are given to believe that either through wrong teaching or false teaching, that if they put their confidence in Christ, and if they are obedient to His commands, and if they act in a forthright faith, all will be well with them the rest of their days. They conclude somehow that they will automatically be exempt from the tragedy and the turmoil of our times. End quote. Some people falsely think that if I'm going through a trial, that some kind of sin is in my life. That somehow, oh, so-and-so, brother or sister so-and-so, going through a great trial. Wonder how they've sinned. That's another false teaching. Here's what the pulpit commentary says. J. Urquhart said this. Affliction is no more the wrath of God's punishment for evil than, than is the farmer's plowing the field to him with an eye on a future harvest. It is only the needful preparation of the soil. End quote. Matthew Henry says this. Extraordinary afflictions are not always punishment for extraordinary evils, but sometimes the trial, listen, sometimes the trial of extraordinary graces. So the ideology, the false teaching that if I'm going through a trial, that there's some kind of wicked, evil sin in my life, that's wrong. They went through this trial when they were obeying the Lord. Not only were they obeying the Lord, they were serving the Lord. Elijah had been serving the Lord, I guess, his whole life just about. He was a faithful man of God. He was a faithful prophet of God in the darkest time or one of the darkest times of all of Israel's history. It was almost complete apostasy. And here is a man of God serving the Lord. Many of the other prophets were following the Lord in some way. But in a cave somewhere, here is Elijah living in public ministry, fearlessly facing the wicked king, living in the midst of enemy territory. And yet, here's a faithful prophet serving the Lord, going through a tremendous trial. The widow had been serving the Lord. She had been taking care of Elijah. She had been providing a room. She gave him his last meal, serving the Lord. See? When we serve the Lord, I can tell you this, 
One of the reasons we may go through a trial is the enemy doesn't like that you've taken up the Lord's cause. Hmm? The enemy doesn't like it that you're serving God's cause, that you're serving God's kingdom, that you're a threat to the enemy. And here are these two servants of the Lord, Elijah and the widow, serving and yet going through a tremendous trial. They went through this trial even though, even though they were in the midst of great blessings. Notice this, Elijah and the widow are enjoying the incredible blessing of the Lord. While everyone else is starving, they're feasting. In the middle of, the, in the middle of Zarephath, in the middle of a three and a half year famine, they are literally supernaturally, every, not just, not, you know, if we saw one miracle, we'd go, wow, that's awesome. They were getting a miracle every single day and several times a day. As they would, they would eat and it would fill back up again. And yet the trial came. See, when we experience a season of abundance, it can cause us to think, we're never going to get a trial again. You've been there? I've been there. Oh, went through it. We're experiencing the blessing of the Lord. Here's what David said in Psalm 36, in verse 6. Now in my prosperity, I said, I will never be moved. Something about blessings, it causes us to forget those bitter trials. Oh, I'm never going to go through anything again. Then all of a sudden, we come into another season. Now, I do believe the blessing of the Lord can, can heal the griefs of the past, right? The blessing of the Lord can, can, can soothe the sting. There's a bomb in Gilead. That's what happened to Joseph. Remember Joseph? It says, the Lord has made me to forget. It can happen. It can happen. But sometimes blessings are in preparation for what you're about to face. That is actually a spiritual principle found in the Word of God. See, what happened is Elijah and the widow were experiencing the blessing and the miracle of the Lord. You know why? Because they're about to go through a trial, and they're going to have to remember the Lord is good. Because the first thing that happens in the midst of a trial is that we begin to think that somehow God has turned on us. The enemy will say, if God is so good, why is he allowing you to go through this? You ever, any enemy ever uh, whispered that to you? I dare to say he's whispered it to every single one of us. If God is so good, why is he allowing you to go through that? And the reason for abundant blessing is God wants us to pull out our memory banks and remember in the midst of the trial, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He wants you to pack that away in your spiritual memory bank. That his, his mercy is everlasting his love is steadfast. It never ends. Whether in blessing or whether in trial, the Lord is good all the time. Remember Mary and Joseph? Mary and Joseph had a tremendous blessing, and it prepared them for what they were going to face. Think about it. They had some wise men show up that brought them great blessing, that brought them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think we think they're three kings Three wise men because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It could have been a hundred. It could have been a caravan of a thousand. But they came and they blessed them. Guess what happened right after that? They went into a great Zarephath moment. They literally, because of the murderous Herod, they had to flee to Egypt. How in the world could a little, a young, poor Jewish couple, how are they going to provide for themselves down in Egypt? They don't even know anyone down there. But guess what? The Lord had so abundantly blessed them that they were able to live, they were able to provide for Jesus, and they were able to be sustained in the storm. The blessings can, be ready, can, can get us ready for the next. Here's something else about this trial. This trial happened 
And they had, both of these people had experienced things before, earlier trials and storms. And their lives weren't perfect. Like Elijah had an enemy called Ahab. Elijah had watched the brook dry up. Elijah had to go a hundred miles through enemy territory. I mean, I mean, Elijah's public enemy number one. They're searching the whole nation and even, even beyond the nations of Israel for this troubler of Israel, this prophet Elijah. The widow had faced the loss of a husband. The widow had faced poverty in the midst of famine. And now, not only has her husband died, now her son, and I guess she, he was the only son, and now... He's dead. And the question comes to our mind, why would God allow his children to go through trials? Is he a cruel God? Is he cruel? No, he's not cruel. I read this and I thought, what a great thought. The more valuable a stone, the more it has to be polished. But, a, but a, a, a gem cutter, he'll throw away a, a piece of concrete. It has, it has no value. But the more valuable it is, something is, the more it has to be polished. No, the trials are not God's cruelty, but they're working for our good. They're working for our blessing, though we may not understand them now. So we can experience, everyone can experience trials, and you can experience, experience all kinds of trials in all kinds of places. Here's the second thing I want you to see, and that's this. Trials can be really confusing. Sometimes we do ask why, and I don't think it's a sin to ask why, because trials are very confusing. The truth is, many times, and maybe most of the time, we don't know why trials come. We don't know why we enter into those seasons. And if we don't prepare for them that way, they can stumble us. Elijah didn't know why this happened. The text doesn't say why it happened. The widow didn't know why it happened. The confusion of trials, you know what it causes us to do? Start blaming people. Listen, what did, what did the widow do? Verse 18, why have you done this to me, O man of God? Why have you reminded me of my sins? Why has God done this to me? She blames the man of God. But don't think he's so spiritual. He blames God. Look at verse 20. Then Elijah cried to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, why have you brought this tragedy on this widow of whom I lodge? By killing her son. The widow blames prophet. The prophet blames God. Do you realize that we can get into the blame game? And do you realize that our world loves to blame God for everything? That's just the way it is. Now, they ignore their evil choices. They ignore the devil. They want to blame God. They would rather blame God than anything. Even Ahab was blaming uh, blaming Elijah in, in Kings 18, 17. He said, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, no, I'm not the troubler of Israel. You and your father's sins have troubled Israel. Idolatry has troubled Israel. A lot of people are wanting to blame this and that. Why don't we blame it where it is? It's sin. Sin is a reproach. You know, we may never know the reason for the trials. It could be a, a trial of chastisement. You know, that happens. That's part of the Word of God. God does allow children, His children to go through child, times of chastisement. And if that's the case, the Lord will show you. Because the Lord loves us enough to communicate what He's displeased with. But He doesn't do it for our harm. But He does it for our holiness. 
Hebrews 12 says that. However, we often don't know why a child comes. But what we do know is this. If we don't know, we can still trust the Lord. That's where Romans 8.28 comes in. We don't have to understand it all, but what we do understand is the character of God. And the character of God, He is good and He loves us beyond our wildest imagination. Listen, all kinds of people can face trials. We can all face trials in all kinds of places. And often it's very, very confusion, confusing. But how we respond is very important. How do they respond? There's, there's a wrong way to respond. Some people go through stuff and they get very angry and they get bitter. They get bitter at God. They can get bitter at preachers. They can get bitter at their family. They can get bitter and angry. They can, they can drink and drown their sorrows in liquor. Alcohol is a tremendous problem today. They can take drugs because it, it numbs the pain, even though just for a little while. Some people just immerse themselves in pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Some even turn away from God. Maybe you know someone like that. All of that makes it worse. But Elijah did what we need to do in trial. He took the boy and he took him to the Lord. Look at verse 19 and 20. Give me your son. So she, he, he took him out of her arms. He carried him, the boy, to the upper room where he was staying. And he laid him on the bed. And what he did, he prayed. He prayed. Notice this prayer quickly. I won't be long. Quickly, this prayer, this was a real prayer. You ever heard real prayer and not real prayer? And I'm not, certainly we're not the judge of people's prayers. But I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, maybe I should say it more in the positive. This, this prayer was real, powerful, earnest, fervent prayer. Verse 20, he cried out to the Lord. He cried out. This is, this is desperate, heartfelt prayer of which we don't see enough of. This is the kind of prayers that breaks through and gets the answer. This is what the old timers called praying true. He took it to the Lord. James has a commentary on this and says, of Elijah. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. NASB says it's powerful and effective. You facing a trial today? My question to you is, as you, have you prayed? We often go through a, a sting of a trial and we're really hurt and we're confused and we tell everyone about it. We get on the phone and we email about it and we text about it. But have we really told the Lord about it? Have we really earnestly brought our need before the Lord? Have you really prayed? He prayed. This was real powerful prayer. It was also a very specific prayer. Look at verse 21. He stretched him out. On the, he stretched out on the child three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, I pray, let this child, let this child's soul come back to him. This was specific prayer. I would say this to all of us. Check your own self. Sometimes our prayers are not as specific as they need to be. I'm wondering, there's a Lord, the Lord may be saying, I don't even know what they want. They're praying, but what do you, what do you want? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. I mean, if the Lord's confused about our prayers, then we need to go back to the, go back to the drawing board, right, with our prayers, right? If you want a healing, ask Him. 
If you want a lost loved one to come back to Jesus, ask Him. If you need a miracle, ask Him. If you need finance, ask Him. Let's be specific. Specific prayers get specific results. This was also an incredibly bold prayer. Look at this. He said, let the child's soul come back to him. Understand this. Now you need to check me on this. This is the first time a resurrection is mentioned in the Bible. Now I know that Isaac, but he didn't die. He was just going to die. He figuratively, Hebrews says, figuratively he was brought back. This is the first time in Scripture there's a resurrection. Elijah, well, the Lord did it through Elijah. He raised the dead. And he, he's asking for this boy to be raised from the dead. I mean, listen, to pray that kind of prayer, he knew the kind of God that he served, that he's a God that is supernatural. They say, God, that nothing's impossible with him. He can even raise the dead. Bold prayers, God loves, get great results, and that honors the Lord. I would just mention this quickly. He, he prayed privately. You need a private prayer life. You know, loneliness is not a good thing, but solitude is a good thing. Do you like being alone? Some people just want to be in the middle of chatter all the time. If you ever got a true taste of solitude, it would be something you couldn't, wouldn't want to live without. The ability to quiet your heart all alone, you and the Lord. I think we've, we've, we've come to place in our culture, most don't know how to do that. We have so much coming at us all the time. But here Elijah went and got alone. But I tell you this, a good private prayer life can help you deal with when the trials come. To know how to go into the secret place and just to draw upon the blessing and the, and the strength and the, and the resources of the Lord. I mean, you know, trials can happen in all kinds of places to all kinds of people, all of us. Trials can be very confusing. But lastly, this, there can be a blessing in trials. Now, this is so foreign to, the, to those that don't know Christ. How could any good come out of negative situations, trials, storms, difficulty, things like this? Odd way of thinking, but it's true, isn't it? It's true for the child of God. What happened in this trial? One thing is, out of death came life. You may feel like you're in a dead situation, but God can bring life out of death. Life out of death. Th think about it here. This boy died, but God gave him a better life afterwards. I mean, he was sick before. I don't know. Did he have asthma? Did he have some kind of consumption? What was it? I don't know. But after God healed him, didn't he get something better? He got life. He got new life, if you will. Abundant life, if you will. Recently, I trimmed some crepe myrtles. And they looked, they looked like crepe murder. <laughs> and uh, they just, I mean, literally, they were, I'm not talking about a little trim. We gave the high and tight, you know. And um, <laughs> those who are in the military know what that is. Uh, but now there's new life coming. 
already, just with a week, new life is already blooming. And God does that, does he not? Trials have a way of reviving us. I've watched it throughout the years of ministry. People get lethargic. People get neglectful. They're the fires of devotion. And then all of a sudden, they go through a trial, and somehow it pushes us back on our knees. It, it drives us back to God. It causes us to reach up to heaven. And all of a sudden, our soul begins to be revived again, and those embers are aflame again. Think about this. The greatest trial was the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. How could anything good come out of death? Our life comes out of death. Come on, amen? Our life comes out of His death. And we get life more abundantly out of, out of His death. We get life. And in your trial, it may feel like death, but God often can bring new life to you. Trials can produce joy. Now, that's odd to the world, isn't it? It's in verse 23. Don't, what, do you think that, what do you think that woman thought? The little widow lady thought. When he walks down those stairs and he says, your son lives. Joy flooded her soul. But here's something interesting. We're not just to have blessing after the trial's over. God calls us to have joy, joy that is, in the midst of the trial. Remember? Remember James? James says, count it all joy. In the middle, Paul was in prison saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. God can give you that joy. That's the kind of God we serve. And then trials give us opportunities to serve. Um, notice, notice here, this trial opened a door for Elijah to serve. You ever notice someone? Go, see, people around us go through trials. It's an open door for us to serve. It was, it was a chance for Elijah to minister to her in her storm. It was a chance for her to pray for her and her son. Trials can open doors. We need to keep our eyes opened to those who are going through trials. We don't need to see trials that someone's going through as some kind of nuisance to mess up our whatever. We need to see it as an opportunity, a door where God wants to work a miracle. And then, notice verse 24, I conclude. She said, the woman said to Elijah, verse 24, Now by this I know. That you are a man of God. And the word of God in your mouth is the truth. Now, she knew he was a man of God. In other words, it's just verified. This is a person that truly is walking with God. This is a true man of God. You know, it's something about storms that bring out what's real. I mean, you, you can praise God at church. And I, and I love to praise God at church. But can we praise God during the storm? Can we keep our faith in the Lord during the storm? During the lean moments. I mean, anybody can praise the Lord when the bounty's there. But what about, see, those lean moments? And, and really how we respond in trials gives real powerful testimony and evidence of our Christian faith. I want you to stand with me just for a moment here. We're going to receive communion in just a second. But I want you to stand with me. Everyone standing, if you would, please. If you, somebody would come and play, please. Zarephath is the place of the crucible. Zarephath is the place where our faith is tested. Maybe you're in a place of trial today. 
I think you need to pray. We need to pray like Elijah did. Peter said this, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of trials. I want us to bow our heads just for a moment. We're going to pray. We're going to receive communion before we leave. But as our heads are bowed, or just for a moment. Pastor, I'm going through a trial today. I need prayer. Let me see your hand. I'm going through a trial today. Yes. Hands going up. Many, many hands across this room. I'm going through a trial today. Dear child of God, your trial is not a strange thing. It may be confusing because the Lord doesn't always tell us why the trial has come. But child of God, you can trust the Lord. You can trust His love and grace. You can trust His sustaining mercy. He loves you, and He's never going to leave you in that trial. He's going to work it out. You're coming through that trial. You're going to be brought through. And on the other side, there's going to be new life for you. On the other side, there's going to be new blessings for you. Now, those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to pray for you right now. I want everyone praying. Father, you see every hand that was raised across this room. Father, you know those that are going through those Zarephath moments. They're in the crucible. They're in the place of testing. And the enemy is saying, well, there must be some great sin. And the enemy is saying, no one's ever gone through this. But Lord, we unite our faith with theirs. And I pray for your miracle presence. Just like you brought life out of death. Lord, out of this trial, bring life and bring blessing and bring miracles. Come on, would you pray right now? Lord, release miracles on behalf of your children. Release the miracle presence of Jesus. Bring life, oh God. Just like Elijah prayed and said, let the soul come back in this boy. Lord, let the soul come back in our lives. Release miracles. Move mountains in the glorious name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I want everyone just to lift their hands and I pray for joy in the, right where you are, that joy would fill your soul. It doesn't make any sense in the natural, but let joy fill your soul. Let joy fill your heart. Not when the trial's over, but right now, that you would count it all joy because God's working it out. Count it all joy. It's going to be a testimony. Count it all joy. You're going to see the miracles of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If, if you feel comfortable, would you join the hand with the person next to you? I think we're past COVID. Let's, let's pray. I want you to pray for that person. Would you pray for that person? Come on, right now. Right before communion, pray for that person. Lift your brother up. Lift your sister up. In the name of Jesus. Release your glory, Lord. Release your glory. Release your mercy. Hallelujah. Let them feel your hand, that, that you're there uniting with your brother, with your sister in the Lord. Oh, infuse your people with love and grace. Thank you, Father. Now I want you to drop that hand. 
And I want you to take your communion cup. Let's take this wafer in our hands today. The Word of God says that Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we take this wafer, this bread in our hands. And Lord, we know what it represents. It represents the body of our Lord Jesus incarnate hanging on the cross and we thank you for taking our penalty we thank you for taking our sin and we are free today our trust is not in our good works but our trust and our faith is in what Jesus did on the cross we don't deserve it I know we don't deserve it we could never earn it but it's by grace we accept it we receive it In Jesus' name, let us eat together. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Paul said, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread... And you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Holy Father, the precious blood of Jesus is holy. It is precious. It is the greatest substance, the most valuable substance the world has ever known. That God's only son would shed his blood for us. And it's by the blood that we are washed. We're not dirty anymore. We're not dirty any longer. We are clean. We are clean. You are clean. Those past sins are gone, saints. You are clean. Why do you bring them up again? Why do you mourn over them? You are clean. They are gone as far as the east is from the west. Put them out of your heart. Put them out of your mind. Put them out of your thoughts. That is not your future. That is your past. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The blood has washed you. And by drinking this juice, we accept this truth. We are clean. We are justified. And we rejoice in this great truth. In Jesus' name, let us drink. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Before I dismiss you, could we just lift our hands one more time and just take a moment here. We worship you. Hallelujah. We bless your great and awesome name. Come on, worship him. Let's end this service with worship. Real worship. We worship our Lord Jesus. Lord, we know that it gives our singing and worship brings glory to your name. And we honor you this day, this first Sunday of May. What a wonderful May it's going to be. It's going to be a May of blessing.
It's going to be a, a, a month of seeing our, our project progress like we've never seen before. We trust in you. Lord, remove every hindrance out of the way. Lord, these delays that we've experienced, Lord, we believe that here on out, Lord, that you are going to give us your favors. Oh, we thank you. Meet every need, Lord. Let it be a month of harvest. Give us souls this month. And we bless your awesome and your great name. Hallelujah. As we conclude this service today, we thank the Lord for each of you. Thank the Lord our boys and girls today had a wonderful class today. They were telling me that today was going to be a day that we're going to rehearse all their memory verses, go through all the wonderful truths that they had gone through the last several weeks. I thought, what a great, wonderful thing to do, getting the Word of God deeply in these boys and girls' hearts. I'm so grateful for that today. Our Father and our God, my prayer today is that for this body, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit would be with you all in that most noble name of Jesus. Amen. I love you, church.